Hey everyone, welcome to the Made It in Music podcast. I'm Riley Taylor, our community manager here at Full Circle Music, and I'm so excited for you to hear this upcoming episode because today we get the privilege to hear from Damian Wong Ken about artist development. He is the director of marketing at Integrity Music as well as the principal of Secret Anthem, an interactive marketing software development company. With expertise in brand architecture and relational marketing, he has created exceptional engagement and success for his clients. This was recorded at our 2022 Music Makers Bootcamp here in Nashville, Tennessee. This is an immersive experience where you get to learn directly from music industry professionals and connect with other high-level music makers. If you want more information about our upcoming Music Makers Bootcamp, head to musicmakersbootcamp.com. For now, let's dive into the episode. If you're taking notes, these are the kind of general topics, and we might not even get it to all of them, but I'm going to try to jump around a little bit so we do get to the most important ones, which I think are most relevant to where you guys are in your stages. Um, and the most beneficial, really. So the, f- the first one is going to be from the production side, from you personally, the stuff that you can uh, take action on immediately. And so it's going to be good to great vocals, musicianship, and songwriting skills. Uh, out of curiosity, how many people here are artists? Put up your hand. Okay, good. Uh, how many people here, out of you guys who put up your hands, uh, take vocal lessons? Nice. So those who put up their hands first and didn't put up your hands second, there's a reason why people take vocal lessons, all right? Just for general sake, it's important to learn vocals if you're a singer. There's things that you're gonna be asked to do, there's things that your vocal teacher will dig into to, um, to help you last longer. Um, there's artists that we know, unfortunately, that have completely blown out their vocal cords or strained things that could have been prevented if they did different things when they're a teenager or in their young adult stages of life. And it's really unfortunate that some careers just get completely halted from that. Um, And you just become better. You become a better vocalist, right? Uh, The songwriting aspect, this is tough because I don't know where everybody is. The songwriting aspect, so I have this, this, uh, this client, her name's Katie. She is a student at Liberty University and she's a phenomenal vocalist. And she grew up in Buffalo, New York, and uh, moved down here. Her mom moved down here specifically for the music industry, right? And everybody, I just learned this term, gassing up. I don't know if everybody knows it, but it's kind of like puffing up your head, making you think more than you really should at that time. But everybody's been gassing her, gassing her up, saying she's the best vocalist that they've ever heard, the best singer. She has an amazing career. She wants to, do, she wants to lead worship and um, kind of go the, the route of, of Chris Tomlin. And so I took the first meeting, and I'm just like, she's a sweet person. She has a, she has a good look, sweet voice, but it's kind of, you could tell that she kind of caps out at a certain range. And so on the vocal side of things, we got her taking vocal lessons right away. It was once a week. We'd meet for about three hours in total, where an hour of that would be vocal lessons, an hour of that would be... Um, actually practicing them, singing other people's songs, covers, and some of our own stuff. And then the last hour would be songwriting. And the importance that I'm trying to tell her is that take the vocal lessons because it makes you better. It increases your range, right? The songwriting aspect of it is, I kind of rely on this just out of journaling. Um, I have a therapist. I believe mental health is really important to take care of. And he tells me all the time, he goes, just write down your thoughts over and over again. And that's what songwriting is, right? 
kind of just writing your thoughts out with your experiences that you're having. If it's not, then try it. It'll, you'll get much better songs out of it. I promise you that. Most of the songs that you're hearing on the radio, whether it be Christian music or CCM or gospel or into the mainstream, is because these are experiences that some of these people lived. And if they're not the songwriters, you know the songwriters lived that experience as well. So journal. Think about it. Get deep with it. If you're in the Christian music industry, we've had enough of the the fluff. You know what I mean? We've had enough of that stuff. There's, you know, in, in radio play, if anybody follows radio um, spins and, and ads and all that stuff, nine out of ten spots are already taken every, every week, right? Like, that one extra spot needs to stand out and be special. The only way you're going to stand out and be special is if you have a greatly great connection. That means you have a lot of money or a lot of opportunity, and you don't need to be here, so it doesn't matter to you. Or you have something special that you're offering people, and that is content. Have a good voice, vocal lessons, learn how to sing, but have great content. Journal. Write about your thoughts, and it could be the most frivolous, stupid thing that you had. I tried coffee and orange juice for the first time together. It's weird, and I hated it. And I wrote that down. It's stupid and it's pointless to, to me too, and probably to you. But it's those little things. Once you get in a habit of writing the little things, when something big happens or something a little bit more significant happens, that matters. You know what I mean? Write those down. Everybody has a smartphone, I'm assuming, unless, like, if you have a flip phone, sorry about that. But if you have a smartphone, have a paper journal, whatever it is, and just get used to writing these notes down for what you're experiencing in life. If you have kids, there's people that, I don't know how old I look, but... There's people here who look like they could have young kids and, or maybe not so young kids. Uh, I know you have thoughts. I know you guys have thoughts. And from the perspective of a believer, how, how easy, that's a really low-hanging fruit of thinking about what our thoughts of our father is towards us. But you get to live it. You're living it right now in real time. Write about it. I can emphasize that all day long. Just keep writing. It'll make you a better person because it makes you be able to go back and think about what you're, what you're going through and how you responded to it. But it will make you a better songwriter. It will make you a better songwriter. It'll make you more appealing but also more relational to the audience. And again, going back to radio play, we have enough fluff. We, we, we have enough of the same songs. You close your ears and you just listen to the music. It could be 20 different songs. We have enough of that. Do something different. Write from where you are, you know? Um, any questions? Thanks. Appreciate that. All right. Uh, the next thing is your performance ability. A lot of people don't like this because they feel comfortable in who they are and the way they dress and the way they move around on stage. I am not that person. I need to practice this a lot more. Um, a lot of labels. So uh, the work that I did with Capital. Uh, with some of their newer artists, was literally sitting down. Have you, anybody heard about the New Respects? New Respects? Yeah, maybe? Okay. Um, they had a lot of syncs. They, they've been on uh, MLS. I, I don't know if that's a big sync or not, but they were in FIFA when the tournament was going around. Uh, they were playing their songs in, for the UEFA. So a lot of international play, which is billions of people listening. So even though you might not hear of it, it's huge. But a big part with them was going into the rehearsals and sitting down and watching how they move around the stage. Uh, what is the drummer doing? Is he just sitting there playing the drums the entire time? Or is he standing up and banging on the drums? Or is he doing tricks or whatever it is? You guys know Duncan Phillip from Newsboys? 
perfect example, perfect example of somebody who knows how to work the stage. You know, he has the rotating drum thing. He'll stand up and play the drums backwards and behind his back and all this stuff. It's captivating. It gets people engaged in one way. When you're performing live, you, wanna, you don't want to have people have any other opportunity to get distracted, whether it be something audibly or something visually. If something visually draws their attention, if you're, if you're leading worship on the stage or if you're singing a, a radio song or anything like that, and somebody hears something different or sees something different, the attention's taken off of you. It's a little bit narcissistic, even as a believer, but you believe you're here for a reason, whether you're a believer or not. You have something to offer this audience. So your voice might be great, the song might be great, but you're sitting on a stool in the middle of a big stage in front of a bunch of people and you're gonna lose them. Work on your performance. Look in the mirror. It's really awkward to look in the mirror while you're singing a song or, or practicing, or if, you're in a, if you have the opportunity to be in a dance studio, take, take your band there. Take your group there and practice in front of that mirror and say, how do I see it? Don't look at yourself, look at your teammates, look at your band. How do they look? Are they sitting in the shadows a lot? How to find your light? You know, it's a modeling thing, but find the light. Make sure you're not sitting in the shadows. Um, so I'll go to Toby when he does his rehearsals has anybody seen him in live in concert okay so I've worked with him for 15 years now and I'm going to go to the show in New York and this is the, this is, it's been over a year since I've seen a live show I've had an opportunity to go to different shows in the meantime different, mostly mainstream artists and every time I go away from those shows I, look, I think back on Toby's show and I'm like that is hands down the best show. It is under a million five for the entire production. And some of these artists are spending five, six million dollars for the production, right? And it's still the best show, whether it be the pyro or the lights, the lasers, the LEDs, whatever it is. But the way that he works this stage is that every single pe person in that auditorium or arena or stadium even, feels like they're a part of that show. They don't feel like they're neglected. So if I spent the entire time talking like this, they feel kind of like, what the heck is going on, right? But he's, he's walking back and forth. He takes about three weeks before rehearsals to think about how the stage is gonna look, how it's gonna be entertaining but engaging as well, whether it be a catwalk or a center floating stage or whatever else he does about three weeks beforehand to think about how the audience is going to receive his presentation. When rehearsal comes up, which is usually about three weeks before tour kicks off, he's reinforcing that over and over again with his band, with his lighting crew, with the pyro, with sound techs, everything. And that's why a million and a half dollar show can feel like significantly better than a five million dollar show. But he's practicing it. He's planning for it. If you have one show at your church on a Sunday night, or you have one show on a Friday night at a club or a bar, practice it. Value that moment. You don't, especially in the music industry, you don't know who's gonna be standing there listening to you or walking into Nashville, shoot. Is there anybody from Nashville here or is everybody from out of town? There's a few from Nashville, okay. So Nashville's notorious, Broadway, every bar and honky-tonk down there, you walk in, you don't know who you're gonna run into because most of the honky-tonks, the bars, are owned by country artists. You don't know who's gonna walk in. So you could walk in and this band is playing, you don't know who they are, but they're giving it their all. And they're probably getting paid 500 bucks a night for the whole band. 
but they're giving it all, and they're practicing that, because you don't know when that opportunity is going to come. Uh, have you guys heard of John Reddick? Uh, he's a worship artist. Um, he's a newer. He's been doing it for decades, but good buddy of mine. He was leading worship at church, and that's how he got signed. An A&R person from the label came in, was just visiting the church, and saw him leading a song, and she's just like, who's this guy? He, and he sits behind a piano most of the time, too. So that's really hard to keep everybody engaged. But he practiced that. Stand in front of a mirror, work on your facial expressions, smiling. You know, the, can I say RBF? I don't know. But if, does anybody know what an RBF is? Okay, good, so I don't have to say it. it it's, it, we all have it at some point. We do. And sometimes it could be like you smell something bad or you saw something you didn't like. But fight against not having it, even in the worst case scenario. Somebody does something foul and you're just like, what the heck is that? Nah, just fix your face. Jamaicans say fix your face a lot. Um, practice that. Stand in the mirror and look at yourself. Look how you express, how you make eye contact with people. That's a really difficult thing for me because I'm wondering what everybody's thinking. But Practice eye contact with yourself, with your bandmates in the mirrors. It makes you a better artist. All right? It makes you a better relational person as well. So when you're doing meet and greets, or you're doing a Q&A on a stage or something like that, or, or any environment that you guys are sitting at, it'll give you something, right? It'll make you a better person. At the end of the day, artist development and branding, because you're artists, is what it benefits but it makes you a better communicator. It makes you more empathetic with people and relational. All right. Image creation, wardrobe styling. That's just a fancy way of saying it. It doesn't really mean anything different. Um, this is my favorite part because I love fashion. I think it just does a ton of stuff. Um, I'm going to give you the process of what I go through. My wife is a stylist as well. So we have a, um, our protocol is that if it is a female artist or entertainer, that's my wife's domain. If it's a male, it's my domain. If it's a band, it usually falls on me, all right? Um, unless there's, well, if it's a male band, then yeah, it falls on me. If it's a female band, it's her, but you get it. Um, propriety, like it's just important that I'm not in a changing room with a bunch of girls changing. That's just creepy as hell. Um, so the process we go through. So if you are a new artist, the first thing I do is I look at you. I'm just like, okay, you know you're meeting with a stylist or somebody who's working on visual branding for you and you come in wearing, I'm not gonna say his name. He came in wearing ripped jean shorts, he's skinny as heck. Ripped jean shorts that were above his, well above his knee, so that was awkward too. He's six foot four, he's a ginger, so that might tell you a little bit more. And he had a Papa Smurf t-shirt on. The man is 45 years old. I'm not opposed to graphic t-shirts, I think they're fun. I'm not opposed to vintage band shirts or even new band shirts. That's great. This is the first thing I saw of this guy. And I'm like, all right, and you're, you're in the genre of music you're in, right? Kind of rock stuff. And I, and I said to him, I was just like, no, 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 this is not going to work. And he thought I was joking. And I was like, this, how people perceive you for the first time. Love at first sight. We all know that saying. The first thing people see is going to dictate I would confidently say 75% of what their final judgment's gonna be. Because you're not gonna have a personal conversation with them, most likely, if you're performing, right? So your personal, how you look, 
which makes me question everything that I'm wearing ripped jeans and stuff, but it's, it's going to determine what people think of you. It's a really sad state of humanity, but it's a fact of life that we have to deal with. So that's the first thing we address is how do, how do I perceive you? And I'm, I try to be empathetic. I try to be overly kind and, and considerate and understanding towards people. And I'm, so I'm going to tell you the truth. I try not, I'm, I'm a brown guy who's living in Franklin. That's the reality. I try not to judge people by how they look, right? I'm going to tell you the truth about that. If you are, I have a buddy who's a hip hop artist, a guy named Aaron Cole, and I met him through a photo, was it a photo or a video shoot? Some, some shoot that we were doing. And he walked in and he was wearing skinny jeans and a bomber jacket, kind of the old school English style bomber jackets, aviator bomber jackets, and a pair of aviators. And I was just like, wait, are you a hip hop artist or like what kind of music do you do? And he's like, nah, dog, I'm a, I'm a hip hop artist. I was like, okay. I don't get that. It doesn't match what you're portraying to people. If, people are, if you're on the radio, and I heard somebody mention that radio is no longer the king, it's, it's social media, which we'll touch into that in a little bit. Um, it's, uh, it's visual. How do you, like, I could go around here and say, okay, well, you look like you do Americana style, you look like you're a youth pastor, you look like you are a contemporary worship leader. Like, I could go around and do all of that stuff, but if how you present yourself doesn't reflect the type of music, the type of creative. If I was an accountant and I walked around in shorts and a t-shirt to my office and somebody came in, they're like, nah, you're not legit. That's not it. They, they, stereotypically, they want to see a shirt and tie and a jacket, right? Or a banker or whatever that is. If you were a doctor and you weren't wearing a lab coat in the hospital, no, I'm not, no, don't touch me. There's, but it translates to every industry that you're in, whether it be in music or tech or finances or, or, anything, right? Like you guys kind of see that parallel there? In genres of music, dress the way you want to dress. Be comfortable in it. But there's ways to adjust it a little bit and still feel comfortable in the style of clothes you guys have and that what you're portraying and still be true to who you are. I, okay. I love Depeche Mode. Anybody know that band? Depeche Mode? European rock, industrial pop stuff from the 80s and 90s, favorite band. Um, kind of the same tune, Delirious is my favorite band. Like, like, I love Delirious. I love those guys. Um, people as well as, as the entertainment that they did. Um, but I also love Nas and Kanye and Jay-Z. And because I'm not an artist, I could choose whatever I want to wear and how I want to represent myself, right? But if I'm meeting with Jay-Z about music stuff or Nas, and we'll get into that a little bit with the Secret Anthem stuff, which I'm really excited about, is that I'm going to dress in a way that's, that they receive, that they feel comfortable with. I'm trying to win their attention and their business in this capacity. When you guys are performing your songs, you want to win them. You want to engage them. Going back to the visual aspect, if you're doing... Americana, and you're wearing baggy pants that are falling off your butt, and, and Jordans, I love Jordans for anybody, but Jordans and a baseball cap backwards, that doesn't make any sense. There's a disconnect there, and they'll close their eyes and listen to the music, but that's one more degree of separation between you and your audience. That could be one less stream, 
or 10, one less view on YouTube, whatever it is. And you're creating this barrier between you guys. Point made. Um, and the important thing now, after that stage of helping them figure out their style, making sure they feel comfortable, kind of bridging the gap. If they love hip hop and they love rock and roll, there's ways to, to bring that wardrobe into the, the case. There's, you can dress looking like a million dollars and have a $50 budget. And there's ways to sp spend a million dollars on a budget and look like you're, you, you, yes. Exactly, she said, you're homeless. That's, that's the case. And some clothes are very expensive that look like that too. Um, my suggestion is you find a stylist. The easiest way to find a stylist, if you guys are from a major uh, metro area, any of the major markets, there's a Nordstrom's around, right? You don't necessarily have to shop at Nordstrom's, but they have stylists there. And Nordstrom has a pretty go good, uh, I call it a high-low. You could get jeans for 60 bucks, and you could get t-shirts, I'll switch that. You could get jeans for $250, and you could get t-shirts for $60. They have a pretty good high-low of everything. Um, they do have jeans for $60 too, just as a plug for them, I don't know. But they have stylists there, and it's great to just ask them to say, hey, if I wanted you to work with me on figuring out my style, would you do it for 25 bucks an hour? And you hire them for four hours, value their work. Please, dear, dear Lord, value their work. There's a lot of work that goes into it. There's measurements and fittings and tailoring and researching and, and finding brands and all that stuff. I'll spend, okay, back to Toby again. This is the best, I love this man dearly, so I, can, I feel like I'm okay to say this about him. He was looking for a jacket online and he called me up, he goes, dude, I've been looking for two and a half hours for this jacket and I can't find it anywhere. Okay, it was a replacement, so he already had an old one and he just couldn't find a new one to it. I said, look at the, look at the tag. There's an, a number on it, an RN number. It's a season number. Tell me what that number is. While he was on the phone, I found the jacket, bought it, and had it shipped to him. We know what we're talking about. And it saves you a ton of time just to pay them 100 bucks for four hours. Do it. As you get further along in your career, it will no longer be $100, it'll be $400 an hour. It'll be $150 an hour, all these different things, but it usually goes in line with your career, but also their level of experience and success, all right? It's worth it, value them. So find a, a, a store, it might not be a Nordstrom's, it might be a Macy's. Find somebody there who you like their style. If you don't like their style, stay away from them. Don't talk to them, unless it's just like, you know, cordial, hey, how you doing? But don't ask them for their help if you don't like their style, all right? I understand that I am not for everybody, so I'm okay not styling for you. Find something that fits for you. There's room at the table for everybody. There's enough money in the world for everybody to benefit and make a career. Just find somebody who suits your style, all right? Does that answer your question enough-ish? Sort of? This light is right here, so I don't know if you're shaking your head or if it's, yeah, okay. Thanks for listening to part one of this episode of the Made It Music Podcast. Head to musicmakersbootcamp.com to learn more about our upcoming Music Makers Bootcamp and check out madeitinmusic.com for more content and episodes from this podcast. See you in the next episode.